Have you heard what's happening in Calgary, Canada? Home to some of the world's best researchers and innovators in life sciences, Calgary is advancing healthcare solutions to solve global challenges. Calgary's dedication to the life sciences sector is evident in its labs, hospitals, schools, and the minds of its people. With its top institutions producing internationally recognized research and more than 110 life science companies backed by a highly skilled pool of talent, the life sciences sector is accelerating innovation in Calgary. If you're a bright mind or a bright company, Calgary is just the place for you. Take a closer look at calgarylifesciences.com. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. The body has a natural cellular recycling machinery known as the ubiquitin proteasome system that breaks down unwanted proteins. Chimera Therapeutics has developed a drug discovery platform that exploits this natural biologic process to target disease-causing proteins that had been previously considered undruggable using small molecule therapies. We spoke to Nello Minolfi, co-founder, president, and CEO of Chimera, about the company's discovery platform, how it exploits a natural house cleaning mechanism within the body, and why this approach could enable the targeting of proteins that previously had been considered beyond the reach of small molecule therapies. Nello, thanks for joining us. Danny, thanks for the invite. Great to be here. We're going to talk about Chimera, its ability to degrade proteins in a targeted way, and the implications for being able to do this. Perhaps we can start with the ubiquitin proteasome system. This is a a natural housekeeping process within the body. What's its purpose and how does it work? So, uh, so great question. First of all, actually, the discovery of how the ubiquitin proteasome system works was the subject of a Nobel Prize, I believe, in 2004. So it's a science that has had a, a tremendous impact on how we understand cell machineries and disease and health and homeostasis. So the way that, that the system works is by recognizing proteins that are either misfolded or accumulated or uh, they are kind of in the wrong concentration uh, and uh, the 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 ubiquitin proteasome system uh, uses this series of uh, of uh, protein cascades that start with uh, E3 ligases that form complexes with a protein of interest and eventually leads them through to proteasomal degradation. Well, so, it, go ahead. You you mentioned the E3 ligases. These are enzymes. What what exactly do they do, and how do they work? So E3 ligases are, I guess, a, a, cl- a class of 
proteins that, uh, again, are part of the ubiquitin proteasome system, there is actually about 600 E3 ligases that have been characterized. Uh, and their role is to recognize these proteins that we're talking about, uh, normally, usually through a protein-protein interaction. So they recognize that protein, they bind to it. Um, and then uh, through this uh, spatial proximity arrangement, they bring the rest of the UPS system to this protein uh, that is misregulated, and then they lead to, they, that leads to that protein degradation. So how are you able to exploit these with your platform, and what, do, what does that accomplish? Yeah, so the, the beauty of, of targeted protein degradation, which is the technology that Chimera uses to generate what we believe will be transformative medicines uh, is, so the beauty is the simplicity of the concept. So we just described, hopefully somewhat uh, clearly, uh, what the ubiquitin protein system does, which again is recognizing protein and degrading them. So what targeted protein degradation does is introducing small molecules, we call them degraders, we call them heterobifunctional degraders. And the small molecule's role is simply to generate a, uh, an interaction between the ubiquitin proteasome system via binding to an E3 ligase, and at the same time binding to a protein that we believe is disease-causing. And so this interaction that is facilitated by our heterobifunctional degrader leads the ubiquitin proteasome system to then recognize this protein as one that needs to be destroyed. And so then the cell machinery does the job. We just bring the disease-causing protein to the proteasome. That's really what we do with the technology. So typically when a protein that's involved in a disease state is identified, a drug company would try to develop a drug that, that might inhibit that protein by, by binding to it. I take it one of the problems is that there are many serious medical conditions that are considered undruggable because there's no way to get a small molecule to bind to them. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a great point. Yes. Uh, I, I think maybe if I take it one step back, you know, we have our proteome, which is obviously encoded by our genome, is made of 20,000 proteins. And I think what is fair to say that only about 15 to 20% of this proteome has been drugged. And one of the reasons is because we really didn't have the tool to drug these, these proteins. And so one way that we believe is gonna revolutionize how we think about drug development is uh, using uh, targeted protein degradation. And the point as that you were making is that with these molecules, we actually don't have to inhibit the function of the protein. We just need to bind to it. So naturally, the uh, opportunity of addressing uh, a novel class of disease-causing proteins is enabled by the fact that we are not constricted by uh, this inhibitory mode and we can just go after any protein that is in the cell to which we can bind. So just to finish the thought, how does this get you to treat conditions that might not have been uh, treatable through conventional small molecule yeah. drugs? 
Yeah, I would say not only conventional small molecule, but I would say any other <clears throat> modality. So uh, the, the reason why this is now accessible is because, again, as I said, there are many, many validated disease-causing proteins, pathways, and targets for which we know either human genetics or we have preclinical strong pharmacology or, or we have had some uh, other... Uh, pathway clinical proof of concept, but against which we don't have an opportunity to develop a therapy. And, you know, one example could be that it's a protein that a small molecule cannot inhibit. But just to give you a sense of how broad the solution can be, uh, let's say it's also a protein that is in the cell, so an antibody uh, therapy cannot get to. It's also a protein that is involved in a disease that is systemic. So obviously, for example, uh, oligo-based therapeutics like RNA or, or CRISPR gene therapy maybe cannot address because they cannot be delivered systemically, but only in particular tissues. And so the solution is not just for small molecule, but the solution is for actually uh, any, any protein that any other technology is not able to, to tackle. And then again, just to clarify, any protein that is in the cell that uh, a small molecule can bind to, but doesn't have to inhibit, uh, can be targeted with this with this uh, technology. So walk me through how your platform works. How, you've identified a, a protein that you want to target. How do you get from there to a drug candidate? Yeah, so it's uh, it, it, so once once we get into the details, it's obviously much more nuanced than. The simple concept of binding uh, protein and binding E3 and de degrading protein. So the first thing that we do once we've identified a protein that causes disease, and one example could be our IRAC4 program. We know that uh, IRAC4 uh, is responsible for uh, signaling um, inflammatory signals that generate pro-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines. So we know that in many, in many patients, uh, the upregulation of this pathway and of this target causes broad inflammation, whether it's uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, whether it's uh, skin inflammation, whether it's GI inflammation. So once, let's say, we identify a particular protein that we believe is a node that uh, creates pathology and we decide that we want to remove it, then what we do is um, ask the question, is there a small molecule that has already been identified that is binding to this protein, or do we need to find the small molecule that binds to this protein? So that's one question. Then the, the, the subsequent or parallel question is, um, what is the right E3 ligase that we need to deploy to, uh, to degrade this particular protein. And the question arises because we need to find an E3 ligase that is expressed in tissues, in cells, in organs where this particular protein is responsible for disease. Uh, and so we need to, and not all E3 ligases are expressed equally in all tissues and organs. So first, do we have a small molecule to the target? Then do we have the right E3 ligase? Then the, the third question is, do we have a ligand to that particular E3 ligase? Meaning, do we have a small molecule that binds to that E3 ligase? Once we answer all, all those questions and we have the right tools, then we build this heterobifunctional molecule. We basically link the small molecule that binds to the E3 
with the to the small molecule that binds to the target and we make this one these two uh, small molecules into one as we call it heterobifunctional degrader molecule and then through you know obviously different and several iterations of optimizations we get to the drug candidate and and i understand the the name of the company has its roots in kind of describing that can you explain that yeah so that's a, yeah that's a great question so the name chimera is actually coming from the concept of uh, chimera which normally is c h i m e r a which is the uh, mythological uh, double-headed monster in greek mythology and so the association with the technology is the fact that uh, these molecules are heterobifunctional so that in a way they have two heads just like this mythological figure um the reason why then we ended up changing the ch uh, to KY was, first of all, we wanted to have a, a, a less obvious kind of name that, wouldn't be, that would be a bit unique, but also comes from actually the biochemistry of the UPS system, where when we take an E3 ligase that recognizes a protein of interest, there is a transfer of a small protein called ubiquitin, uh, and this small protein is responsible for tagging the protein target for degradation and this ubiquitin actually attaches onto a small amino acid called lysine so the lysine the code for lysine is actually k so that's why we decided to change ch to ky and so the k represents the amino acid that is really the basis of the technology and then chimera is again going back to the double-headed mythological monster from greek mythology uh, we we talked about this in the context of going after previously un, undruggable targets, but it strikes me that if you can do this with a small molecule to grade a targeted protein, that it's also a way of developing an oral therapy for conditions that previously can only be treated through things like biologics. Is Is, is there a strategy here to develop oral versions or oral formulations for conditions that today are treated by biologics or other costly uh, approaches? I would say that the strategies to develop therapies for uh, both diseases and naturally against protein targets that have not been drugged or drugged well before. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily that it's swapping a biologics for a small molecule, but I would say that it's an opportunity to go beyond the biologics, to go at the core signaling pathway that are responsible for disease. An example, again, going back to IRAC4, we can actually go back to even Stat3, which is the other program that we've, we've publicly disclosed. You know, for IRAC4, lots of therapies go after uh, extracellular cytokines. Again, these are inflammatory molecules through biologics. So you inject an antibody uh, protein uh, to patients that block these these cytokines, but in reality, all these cytokines there are many for which usually biologics are only addressing one of them. All these cytokines signal through this intracellular pathway. So not only with an IREC4 oral degrader, we're blocking <clears throat> this signaling uh, 
uh, intracellular, but we're up, we're blocking the signaling of multiple cytokines. So rather than swapping one antibody for one oral small molecule, we're actually going for replacing uh, a series of antibody therapies that cannot be injected in a single human together uh, with one oral small molecule that has the power of multiple antibodies. That's really the opportunity in this case for this program, but also in, in, for many other programs that we are working on at Chimera. Your lead candidate is KT474. This is uh, in early stage clinical testing. You've had what you've said as a proof of concept. What's known about its safety and efficacy to date? Yeah, so our, our ARAC4 degrader program has actually been the first placebo-controlled, randomized, phase one study in healthy volunteer that these molecules across the industry have ever been put into. So Chimera was responsible for, again, the first time this type of study. And the reason why we decided to take this route, because we are a company that believes strongly in understanding the relationship between PK, between PD, between PD, which is a downstream, again, it's an impact on protein level, between the protein level that we're degrading and a a disease-relevant downstream biomarker. And only if you do a study that is placebo-controlled, randomized, you can actually build the confidence in later development. So what we've learned so far, that we have a molecule, so far we've only disclosed the single ascending dose study. So we've actually shown data uh, after just a single dose. And what's amazing from, from, from those data is uh, that we were able to show that with a single dose of our drug, KT474, we were able to, to degrade IRAC4 systemically up to 96%. So basically, we had a, a total degradation of the protein in in the body. And that degradation after a single dose was maintained for up to seven days. So basically telling you that this mechanism is not only very potent, but also very profound, and and there is also a time component to it. What we also learned that by degrading this this protein, uh, at least 85% or more, obviously we have different doses that give different effects, we were able to, sh- to show an impact on downstream disease-relevant biomarkers like those cytokines and chemokines that I was telling you before, uh, up to almost complete inhibition on some of those cytokines and, cytokine- and chemokines. We've reported 97%. So, and all these, all these uh, profiles, so as I mentioned, uh, almost complete knockdown or degradation that lasted for multiple days, that showed an impact on a wide variety of disease-relevant biomarkers. All of this was really well tolerated by our human volunteers. In fact, there were no serious adverse events that were seen in the course of the study, and we dosed uh, up to 57 healthy volunteers in this study. So this is also a larger number of, uh, of, uh, of subjects that, uh, that were dosed. I know the company has announced a number of partnerships. Is this an unpartnered access, uh, an unpartnered asset, or is this part of a a collaboration? 
Yeah, the great question, uh, Danny. So this uh, KT474 uh, right now is being uh, developed by Chimera, but we have a co-development partnership with Sanofi. Uh, so at the, uh, at the end of phase one, uh, which again, Chimera is still driving, then uh, Sanofi will uh, work with us in phase two and phase three and commercialization uh, of this drug. And we will be splitting 50-50 the, the profits of this drug in the U.S. Well, you've got a, a partnership with Sanofi. You also have one with Vertex. I did, I did want you to walk us through both of those. Um, start with Sanofi. What is the broad parameters of, of that collaboration? Yeah, maybe before I do so, uh, g- given that we went from you know the real technicality of the science to the programs, maybe just take a minute and, and share with you what is the long-term vision uh, for this company. So we we founded the company in 2016 with the the real goal of building a fully integrated global global uh, company that will take protein degradation from an early stage that was when we founded the company into a commercial stage engine that would be able to discover, develop, and commercialize degraded drugs. So when you do, and when you embark on this, on this journey, you obviously have to recognize that uh, there are opportunities where you can try and accelerate that growth through partnerships. So we look at those partnerships opportunity uh, not so much as a financial uh, mean. And in fact, I would say that luckily, at least so far, we've been uh, blessed and, and lucky to, to have uh, access to capital in a, in a pretty de-risk manner. But we've, we've looked at these partnerships as a way to accelerate our growth in areas that maybe independently we wouldn't be able to do so quickly. So our partnership with Vertex, for example, that we signed in 2019, gave us an opportunity to move in uh, disease areas that were beyond the ones that we were uh, 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 were working on internally. In fact, internally, we're focused on oncology and immunology with Vertex, for which, with which we have a six-program partnership. It's all in disease areas that are all outside of oncology and immunology. In fact, there are actually five different disease areas. And so what this did for us, again, besides the financial, there was a, a generous upfront of $70 million. There is a billion dollar plus of milestones. But really what that did for us was allow Chimera to be a disease agnostic protein degradation company really, really early on in our life in a way that probably on our own we wouldn't have been able to do. With Sanofi, very different collaboration, but again, fulfilling the same uh, uh, premise, which is <clears throat> with Sanofi, we had a very exciting asset, uh, KT474, which continues to behave really, really well, as I just mentioned. Uh, and because we believe that this drug has the potential to be a, a best-in-class small molecule oral drug, for immunology and inflammation, we realized that in order to compete with large companies that have, you know, drugs in this area, we needed to to have a large investment very early in clinical development. And so with Sanofi, we have an opportunity to initiate multiple phase two studies and phase three studies uh, in a de-risk manner, meaning in parallel or staggered, and invest a substantial amount of money as well as 
people and operation and commercial <clears throat> infrastructures at a stage where Chimera is still building some of those. Uh, and we are, in some cases, in the early stage of building, building some of those. So the partnership brought us, you know, again, financial <clears throat> incentives. And I think it was $150 million up front. And I think we had $2 billion plus of milestones. But so while those are very important and critical, uh, the ability to be competitive and to advance very aggressively in the clinic and to get this drug to as many patients as possible as soon as possible was the, the key strategic driver of that partnership. How does your own therapeutic development fit into these partnerships? Are you doing work outside of them? Or are you planning on possibly pursuing molecules partners pass on? Yeah, so uh, so first of all, as I mentioned, we want to be a fully integrated company. So our goal is to put into the market Chimera's drugs. Um, so actually, most of the work that we do is outside of those partnerships. And for example, we have two more programs that are about to enter the clinic. Uh, one is uh, KT413, which is a, a actually a dual degrader. We can talk about what that means. Uh, for uh, oncology. Then we have another degrader asset in oncology, which is called KT333. This is uh, to go against, for the first time, again, also here, another first for Chimera in TPD was for the first time a heterobifunctional degrader against an undrugged transcription factor, which is a class of protein that are very difficult to drug. So also that is going into the clinic soon. Uh, again, and this is going to be developed by Chimera uh, 100% in a series of liquid and solid tumors. We have many other programs internally that we haven't disclosed. I believe we plan to disclose at least one new one before the end of the year. And we have a, bre a broad pipeline of programs that are, again, all owned by Chimera that we plan to advance. So I would say, generally, you, you, know, you should look at Chimera as a drug discovery development and eventually commercialization company with some partnerships in some programs in our pipeline, but not the other way around. You raised $257 million in upsized offering in July. How's that money being used and, and how far will it take you? Thank you. That's, that's a great question. So, yeah, we, we, we now have, at least in July, when we closed the most recent financing, we had about $650 million in the bank, which for a company that went public just about a year ago uh, is, is a very healthy uh, balance sheet. And our goal with the money, which will take us uh, into kind of 2025, we believe at this point, is to continue to invest in our pipeline, the one that were, there is or about to go into the clinic, Importantly, continue to invest in our discovery engine to be, you know, five years from today, having multiple programs in the clinic at different stage. And also continue to invest in our platform. We have very uh, unique um, investments in advancing the protein degradation and going into spaces that really no one has been able to do using novel E3 ligases that are uh, selective for particular tissues or particular cell types. So I would say the money allows us to strategically invest in areas that probably 
you know, most companies wouldn't be able to invest so early so that we actually can build as quickly as possible a de-risk pipeline that will allow us to ask many different clinical questions and hopefully generate uh, high-value medicines for patients. Nello Manalfi, co-founder, president, and CEO of Chimera. Nello, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Danny. This was really fun. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.